Well, good morning again uh, to those of you watching online. Good morning to you as well. Uh, before we jump into the message, uh, real quick, I just want to say, like, I, I've seen a lot of concerts in my life. I've seen a lot of country concerts in my life at Darien Lake, various other places. Did those three girls not just kill it? Like, especially that second song, holy smokes. I, I imagine, I, I'm just, we're just so blessed to have so much talent up here on stage and um, I just imagine when they enter heaven one day, the angels are like, you know what, we need you on the worship team up here, because that was good. Um, but uh, today we're continuing our series, A New Normal. Now this term, new normal, has gotten a little cliche, hasn't it? I, I mean, that seems to be all we're hearing about is the new normal this, the new normal that. And normally when we refer to and we talk about and we hear about the new normal, uh, we're talking about the now. We're talking about what life is like during COVID, how things have changed during COVID. We're, uh, if we talk about the old normal, this is everything like in the past. Uh, this is everything that happened even January and February of this year. But once COVID hit, we moved to what we're calling right now the new normal. But for today, I actually want to refer to the present as the current normal. And I want to refer to uh, the new normal as what's going to take place after COVID. Because COVID will be over at some point. We know that. We don't know how or when, but we know that we will move on from this point. Uh, so for today, when I talk about old normal, it's going to be pre-COVID. Uh, current normal is going to be what we're dealing with now. And then new normal will be in the future. Uh, now, COVID is one of the, the few things, if m possibly the only thing we ever experience in our lifetime that has affected every single person, regardless of your opinions about it. And we know you have opinions about it. Uh, regardless of uh, if you get it or if you had it at any point, and regardless of even if you think it's real, it has still affected you. It has affected our way of life in some way or another. See, COVID brought us from old normal to current normal. I, I mean, we all know the differences between old normal and current normal. We're living them now. But just to point out some of the obvious, uh, old normal, when you greeted someone, you, you went up and you shook their hand and you maybe had a quick conversation with them within six feet of each other. Uh, current normal is you approach someone awkwardly and it, you kind of gauge like you want to shake hands or fist bump and then you eventually just like elbow tap or I, I guess now people are doing foot taps uh, and, and it's awkward and it's weird and then you back up right afterwards and you, you have a conversation from a distance but it's a little bit shorter. Uh, I think we would all agree that old normal was better than current normal. Old normal was you went to work almost every single day. Most of us didn't work from home in old normal. Uh, and you, you saw your coworkers and you had in-person meetings. What was that like? And, and new nor or current normal is your meetings are via Zoom. And many, I know not all of us, but many of us are now working from home. And uh, this one is kind of, uh, there's some debate on this one. Uh, a lot of people think this one's better. Uh, I mean, studies have proven that we are more, if you have a desk job, you are more efficient working from home than at the office. But uh, what happens is the team morale kind of suffers. Like the team culture suffers when you're not seeing people on a regular, on a daily basis. I actually think like a hybrid approach would be best. But overall, I think we would say old normal 
was better. Old normal was when you went to the grocery store, you walked down the aisle and you saw someone and you, you smiled at them. You, you smiled, you maybe nod, you say hi. Current normal is really weird because you still smile, but then you realize they can't see you smile. And then you wonder if they think you're just being creepy because you're looking at them. And then you're wondering, are they smiling or are they scowling? And you just kind of walk right past them and it's really awkward. Old normal was you dropped your kids off at school and then you went home and you got things done or you went to work yourself and you picked them up later in the day. Current normal is, we're still trying to figure that one out. Old normal is social gatherings. Current normal is social distancing. Old normal, let's talk about church for a moment. Old normal was awesome. We filled our buildings. We're thinking about the future. Like, do we add services? Do we build a bigger worship center? Like, it, it was amazing. It was a full room, a full building. We're thinking about a third campus at that point. Current normal is really strange, right? I mean, I never thought we would have to register for church and have capacity limits and block off some rows and wear masks during worship. Uh, honestly, the worst part of my Sunday is having to remind people from the stage, like, hey, mask time. Like, I, I just, like, I hate that. That's, it's not fun. It's, it's weird. And I, I think we could all agree that most of the things about old normal was better than current normal. Old normal almost universally was better. And here's the thing is that current normal will be over. COVID will end. We don't know how. We don't know when. But when it does, I predict that there's going to be a strong gravitational pull back to old normal. Because again, old normal was so much better. We all agree on that. But what I'm advocating today is that rather than getting pulled back to the way things were, that we move forward to something better. That we move forward to a new normal. See, this is what's been on my heart lately is that we don't want to and we won't have to stay here. This is temporary. This is just so we can get by and get past this. And we Although we like this, I don't think this was as good as it could have been. And there were parts of it that were really good, but I think this will be better if we choose to go here. Now, we will have a choice once this is over. We could go back to the way things were. We could pursue something better. But I think the new normal, for me, I think it's going to come down to reprioritizing some things in our life. And it's going to be most of the things we have here, but just kind of approaching them at a different priority level. And we'll learn some lessons here, but I think if we focus on our priorities, I think we could make new normal better. See, if current normal is defined, I think we would define it as survival. Like when this all started, we were all thinking about food and safety and toilet paper. And we were just like, what do we need to get by? What are the essential items? And I think if I could define old normal, it would probably be three words. It would be busy, complicated, and distracted. Now, there are parts of life that have become more complicated, and some of our industries have gotten more busy. But for the most part, I think, things have gotten a little simpler in current normal. 
Like gone are the days of a different activity every single day of the week. A lot of us, we've kind of uh, tightened up our group of friends. And it's, we, we have maybe three really close friends as opposed to 20 that we saw all the time. And there's pros and cons of both. So if this, was, if this is survival and this is busy, complicated, and distracted, I'm advocating that the main priority for new normal is relationships. In fact, the bottom line of today's message is this, is to make relationships the priority in the new normal. Now, relationships, they were always a part of our life. They were in old normal. They're in current normal. So this is not something new. But again, it comes down to priorities. And I think relationships have always been a priority in our life. We've always prioritized family and our spouse and our kids and our extended family. They've always been a priority But I'm advocating today that we make them the priority. Because if we're honest, sometimes things can slip in in front of relationships. And I think Jesus would agree by the the way. In fact, Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders in his day uh, this really interesting question. And it was not a sincere question. Uh, The religious leaders were constantly trying to trick Jesus to get him to slip up and say something the wrong way or to say something wrong. So it's not a sincere question, but we get a really good answer. Look at what Jesus was asked. The religious leader said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Like Jesus, narrow it down for us. What is the most important thing we should focus on? And Jesus responds, he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these two things. In the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is quoted saying that all the law and the prophets, meaning the whole Old Testament, can, they hang on and can be summarized by these two commands, love God and love others. See, Jesus is telling us that everything we know, believe, and should prioritize in our life comes down to relationships. It comes down to loving Jesus and loving others. So priority number one as we pursue a new normal would be this, is to love Jesus. It's really simple. Love Jesus. Uh, One of Danielle, my wife, and my favorite things to do on summer nights is to go on our back porch and to watch the sunset. And on our back porch, we got these new tiki torches, and uh, we have three of them out there, and we fill them up with uh, the citronella fuel that says it's going to keep bugs away, but it definitely does not keep bugs away. But we light those tiki torches, and a a couple weeks ago, we went outside, and we lit them, and almost right away, one of them went out. Maybe within like 20 seconds, the flame was strong, and then it got smaller, smaller, and it just blew out. Uh, The second tiki torch stayed lit for about 10 minutes. And then that one, same thing. It just got smaller and smaller and it went out. And then the third one stayed lit the entire time. Now the first one that went out right away, we're pretty sure we know what happened. You see, they they have these lids on top that kind of protect uh, the fuel canister. And one of that lid blew off and it filled with rainwater. So it was probably like one-third fuel and two-thirds rainwater. So eventually, once the water got to the top of the wick, the flame went out. 
The second one, we know why that one went out. It just ran out of fuel. We hadn't refilled that one, or when we did, we didn't fill it up all the way. So it simply ran out of fuel, and the flame went out. And then the third one stayed lit the entire time because there was enough fuel, and the fuel wasn't compromised. See, I feel like these three things can easily happen with our walk with God. We can, if we're not careful, we can allow our lives to be filled with so much stuff that it waters down our walk with God, and it just doesn't allow the flame to be lit and to light as, as bright as it could be. We allow things to distract us. We allow maybe false truths to get in the way, and the flame just won't stay lit. And then some of us, we've spent our entire life filling ourselves up just occasionally. Like maybe it's just Sundays, or maybe it's just Uh, every other Sunday or every third Sunday, and we fill ourselves up with this spiritual fuel, but we don't keep filling it up on a regular basis, and the, the flame just never stays strong. See, I believe we have to fill ourselves up on a, on a daily basis. We always have to be filling the fuel up. Every day we have to spend time with our Heavenly Father. We have to read His Word. We have to talk to Him through prayer. But here's the excuse, and I'll just give you my excuse that I've used many times in my life, and it's that I ran out of time, that I had every intention of spending time with God. I had every intention of reading my Bible that day, but you know what? I, I woke up late, and things just got out of hand, and I just never got to it, or, or I just didn't have time that specific day. Uh, but here's something I was thinking about this past week is that no matter how busy I am in life, I never skip a shower. <laughs> Even if I oversleep, I will, like if my alarm doesn't go off and I'm running late and I'm like late for a meeting, I will still take a shower. And most of us, I hope, would do the same thing. Why? Because that is a priority in our culture, our culture values cleanliness. And thank God, right? Because I've been to places in the world where that is not the case. But our culture values it. And we make time for what we value. And by the way, it's such a priority for me that I will start my day off with a shower because I want to start my day off clean. Now this, I know this is a, a funny and a weird example, but imagine if we prioritize reading our Bibles like we did a shower. That regardless of our busyness, regardless of how the day got away from us, we chose to do it because it matters that much to us. And what if, what if we started our day off like that? That regardless of how much we were running late, even if it's a verse or a chapter or 20 minutes of reading our Bible and praying, what if we started our day like that? Do you think that could help fuel the flame in our spiritual life? I heard someone say one time that the first 15 to 60 minutes of our day is the rudder for the day. Meaning that whatever we do in the very beginning of our day kind of sets the tone for what the day, rest of our day is going to look like. So if we start our day filling our mind and our heart with truth and we spend it talking to God, I think it would bring us a little more peace and patience, and uh, it'll, it'll just set us in the right direction. So how do we do this? Well, really, that is up to you. I, I truly don't believe that there's one specific way we spend time with God. Over the course of my walk with God, I've constantly changed this up. 
In the same way that me and Danielle don't go on the exact same date every single week, I'd like some variety in my walk with God. So here are just a few things that I've done in the past, and uh, you could do these, you could do something else, but uh, you could download the Bible app and simply read one verse a day. That's how I start my day off before I open up any other app. I open up my Bible app and I read that verse of the day. Uh, there's, by the way, on that app, there's like thousands of reading plans you can do. You could search any topic you want. If you're dealing with an addiction, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with fear, you can read a seven-day, 30-day reading plan on that specific thing. Uh, you can read one chapter out of the New Testament every single day. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to slow down my reading and just read one chapter and just let that marinate in my, in my soul for the day and just kind of work your way slowly through the New Testament. Uh, if you're just getting acquainted with the life and teachings of Jesus, you can read through the Gospels. I did this a few years ago. Rather than just reading through the Bible, I read, uh, I, I read all four Gospels every month for an entire year. And I'm telling you, I've nev I never felt closer to the heart of Jesus after doing that. Uh, you can start at the beginning of the Bible and read cover to cover, uh, though I would always recommend that you read the New Testament a couple times first. Uh, you can take one of our daily breads that are in the back of the foyer. It's a little devotional book. Uh, if you're watching online, you could go to ourdailybread.org, and there's a devotional there every single day of the year. Uh, you can buy your own book. You could do any, anything you want because it's not about how we do it. It's about the consistency in which we do it. Again, I change what my quiet time looks like all the time, but regardless of what it looks like, every single day I read scripture and I talk to God through prayer. And as I grow in my walk with God and the flame grows stronger and brighter, it becomes more and more of a priority to me. So priority number one is love God. Priority number two, simple again, is to love others. Did you know that the primary way we love God, the primary way we show our love for Christ is by loving other people? Now we could go in a lot of directions here for me to demonstrate that, but I want to share with you a parable in Matthew 25. Uh, Jesus is telling this story of, uh, about separating his true followers from his, his false followers, his true followers from those who aren't really following him. And he says this in this parable. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, uh, who are his followers, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. So he's telling his followers, like, I needed help, and you helped me. But look at what his, how his followers respond. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Like, we would have, but we did, like, when did we do this? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, we, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, Jesus is saying that when we love others, we love Jesus. 
anytime we love others, we are also credited for loving Jesus. Can I challenge you with something? Don't let your political differences get in the way of this. Love first. Don't let your constitutional freedoms get in the way of this. Love first. By the way, the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about freedom. If you read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, uh, Paul says a few things regarding freedom. He says, although I am free, he made himself a slave to the world so that he can win some for Christ. He said also in that chapter that although he has the right to do anything, he said, no one should seek their own good, but the good for those of others. Love first. Don't let the pursuit of being right get in the way of this. Love first. This is my Achilles heel. I love to be right because I'm always right. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm very rarely right. But I think I'm always right. And everyone always thinks they're always right. So sometimes in the pursuit of proving that we are right, we forget love. Don't let social media get in the way of this. Love first. Some of us, we need a break. Some of us, we just need to deactivate it or delete it off our phone and just take a break. Because if we're honest and we do an honest uh, appraisal of how we're handling it, we're not loving first. Last year, we gave out these wristbands. Some of you might still have them. It's a, a white rubber wristband, and it says WWJD on one side. That, that question that we've asked for a long time, what would Jesus do? A great question to ask. But on the other side, we wrote the answer to that. We wrote, he would love first. See, everything we do, everything we say, everything we think should always be through the lens of, is this loving my neighbor well? Because when we love others, we love Jesus. Look at what Jesus says to his disciples. Uh, he says to them, he says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's so interesting about this verse, and just keep this up for a moment, is this idea of loving one another is not a new theme in the Bible. This is something that God had taught his followers from the very beginning, from Genesis to Revelation. There's this theme of loving other people. But why Jesus says this is a new command is because now he's giving us a standard. He's saying, as I have loved you, you should love one another. How did Jesus love? He, although the Son of God, did not come to be served but to serve the world. He didn't wait for others to wash his feet, even though if there was anyone worthy of having his feet washed, it would have been Jesus. Scriptures say he, he wrapped a towel around his waist and he got down on his knees and he washed his disciples, his followers' feet. And Jesus, we know, he gave his life for us. So how do we apply this to our lives in 2020? Maybe it means doing things that make us a little uncomfortable for the benefit of others. Maybe it means putting others' needs before our own, like Paul says to do. It, it could be serving others with no strings attached. It could be coming to the realization that it's not all about us and our rights. I think a good starting point in every situation is asking ourselves, in this situation, what does love require of me? See, the best way to love Jesus is to love other people. So we love Jesus and 
We do that by loving others. The third priority in the new normal is this, is to love yourself. Now, this is something we don't hear too much about in church, and uh, probably for good reason, because this can get out of hand if we're not careful. We, we can get prideful about this one. But there's this idea of self-care that I think is really important to the heart of God. So let's go back to the very first verse we read today, just a small piece of it. It says this, Mark 12, 31, love your neighbor as yourself. See, there's this assumption right in the verse that we have some love for ourselves, And I know this is a struggle for some of us here today. We may love God deeply and we may do a great job at loving others and loving our neighbor. But when we look in the mirror, some of us have a hard time liking what we see. Some of us, we look in the mirror and the person that we see looking back at us, we're, we're just not proud of that person. It, it could have something to do with our physical appearance. Maybe it has something to do with uh, shame about your past. Maybe someone hurt you and it's just distorted the way that you see yourself. And, and I could never fix that in a message and I wouldn't dare to try. I, I couldn't fix that in a series of messages for that matter. But what... I know is this, is that understanding the lens in which God views us will help us to have a healthy self-image. It will help us to understand the person God created us to be. Uh, many of you know this, uh, but I have a 14-month-old daughter at home. Her name is Eliana. And I, I remember when I found out we were having a girl, uh, I was just beyond excited. Uh, but I was also beyond nervous and scared. Like that's a lot of responsibility to raise a kid. So I started doing what I do anytime I'm nervous about a situation is I try to educate myself as best as I can. So I started reading books and as much as I possibly could about what it takes to raise a daughter. And here's a few things that I learned uh, during the pregnancy stage and what I'm learning now. Uh, one thing is that as the first man in her life, I have the opportunity to set the standard for all other men that come into her life. Uh, I cannot choose who she marries, but I do have the opportunity to influence it. Every man that enters, and research shows this, every man that enters a girl's life will consciously or subconsciously be compared to her father, for good or for bad. Research shows that a healthy father-daughter relationship significantly decreases the chance of eating disorders and helps them to have a better body image, and self-confidence. Uh, the more loving and involved the father, the more assertive a little girl will be. Research has shown that the best predictor of a girl's self-esteem is the amount of affection a father shows. And maybe one of the most important things I learned is this, is that a daughter will draw a picture of herself, of how she thinks you see her, and that picture will affect her whole life. For example, if she thinks that you're just a bother to her, to you, she will go throughout her life thinking that she's a bother to other people. This will show up in her workplace. This will show up in her future relationships. But if she feels loved and worthy and funny and beautiful and clever, and if she feels important, she can carry those things throughout her life as well. Now, I, I read specifically about raising daughters and little girls, but I'm sure most of this applies to raising boys as well. See, the point is that, is that a father's love, a father's 
presence, a father's words, have great impact on a child growing up, on the development of the child. And I know that some of us had great fathers growing up. Some of us had an, a, wonderful, uh, a wonderful view of what the father, uh, our heavenly father's love looks like because of our earthly father. But I also know some of us didn't. Some of you growing up, you didn't have that experience. And regardless of what your past or what your current relationships look like, I want to encourage you with this today. You have a heavenly father who loves you deeply. You have a heavenly father who thinks and believes that you are important, that you're smart, that you're worthy. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The author of the psalm says this in Psalm 139, for you, speaking to God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, there's a lot of things that my daughter can do in her lifetime that will break my heart. But one of them would be if she grows up and she doesn't love the person that she is, or if she doesn't take care of herself, that as her father would break my heart. See, some of us, our new normal must include taking care of ourselves. We have to get this uh, this picture of how our Heavenly Father views us right. Uh, I believe it starts by understanding how God truly views us, that He believes we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like that verse says, He knit us together in our mother's womb. Knitting takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of attention, and it takes a lot of intention. God didn't make any mistakes when He created us. So if you struggle with loving who you see in the mirror, let me give you a couple really practical things you can do. Every time you look at yourself in the mirror, maybe you say these words out loud that my heavenly father thinks I'm a masterpiece. Maybe you say my heavenly father thinks that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My heavenly father knit me together intentionally in my mother's womb. Maybe for you, you have to write that down on a post-it or an index card and put it on your mirror to remind you that you are important to your Father. Because when we love ourselves and we take care of ourselves, it sets us up to be able to love others, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we love our neighbors better, we love Jesus better as well. So back to the big idea of the message when this is over, what are we going to do? We have the choice to rush back and uh, give in to that gravitational pull to bring us back to old normal, the way things were, or we can take the good things from here and we can take the lessons we learned from here and we could build a better new normal. It might look similar, but the priorities might be different. And by the way, those three points of the message, Jesus, others, and yourself, that's an acronym for joy. 
Because I, I truly believe that one of the ways that we find joy in this life is getting our priorities right. When we put Jesus first and others second and then ourselves and we don't neglect ourselves, I believe we can find joy in this life. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for uh, these words of Jesus and, and the Old Testament leaders and the religious leaders. We, we have this way of making things more complicated than they need to be. God, I pray that you would remind us of the two greatest commandments, to love you and to love others. God, we know when we get these two things right, everything else just becomes right in the process. We can't sin if we love you well and we love others well. So God, I pray that we can, in this new normal, that we can make you the number one priority. God, that we can show you our love through the way that we love others. And God, that we wouldn't forget to take care of ourselves as well. That we can start to practice the, the ancient tradition of the Sabbath again. Not for anything else, but knowing that it's for us this holy rest that you offer. God, that we can take care of our bodies because you say that our body is a temple and a way to worship you. So God, whatever this new normal looks like, I pray that we can get our priorities straight and I pray that we can start that now. God, we love you so much and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.